Then, through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra said to noble Abhuteshvara, Bodhisattva Mahasattva, How should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Rajaparamita? Addressed in this way, noble Abhuteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Rajaparamita, should see in this way, Seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature, there is no birth and no cessation, there is no purity and no purity, there is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness, there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no form is emptiness, emptiness also is form. Emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no character, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no eye, datu, up to no mind, datu. Dhatu of dharmas, no mind consciousness, datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance, up to no old age and death. No end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, path, no wisdom, no attainment, no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Rajaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Rajaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequal mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth since there is no deception. Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Teata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisoha. Thus, Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that samadhi and praised Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra and Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and Gandharvas rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One. <laughs>
the fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. Imagine this as a good land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. Holy Lamas high, wrap the sky in your Dharma bodies in massive clouds of knowledge and love. And let them pour upon the earth of your disciples as we are ready a shower of rain, the teachings deep and wide. Oh, 
So again, we will be discussing the beginning section of the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa. Um, and the beginning section begins with the expression of worship or homage. Uh, in, in the text it says prologue. Um, and then the next section deals with the preliminary instructions. So right now, we're at the uh, part of the text where we're dealing with the preliminary instructions. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, when we look at the great uh, treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment and the contents of that text, we'll see that it's truly a commentary on what we call the root text, Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment. Uh, so the contents of this text are truly just the contents of that text just mentioned, Lord Atisha's text. And if we look at the different ancient traditions of explaining teachings, we'll find that there are two, the Nalanda tradition of explaining teachings and the Vikramalashila tradition of explaining teachings. And those two traditions have slight differences. Uh, we are going to be following as our, in uh, this instruction, because Lama Tsongkhapa has chosen to do so, the Vikramalashila um, uh, um, way of ex- uh, tradition of explaining uh, the teachings. And this goes by way of the three greatnesses. Uh, the greatness of the author, uh, the greatness of the teaching, um, uh, and then the, uh, the greatest way uh, to listen to and explain the teachings. So these are the three greatnesses. So we've uh, gone over first the greatness of the teacher uh, to, to establish the noble origin uh, of Lord Atisha in this case, uh, because we're stating that the root text for this uh, um, content is really Atisha's lamp. Um, so we, this then begins with Atisha's life story and accomplishments, uh, the liberation life story, uh, and, and deals with all of those facts. Uh, the next section, Greatness of the Teaching, is, is actually where we are right now and where we're going to begin this teaching from. <coughs> <coughs> Dangala Gubaji with Chuji Chavatat, 
so it is stated that um, in the section on the greatness uh, of the the teaching that Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment uh, is the root uh, behind the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment and it contains all it's a teaching that contains all of the um, Buddha's speech as well as the commentaries on Buddha's speech. So all of the facts that are contained within uh, those two possibilities uh, are, uh, are implicitly contained within Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment. So this uh, is under the heading of the greatness of the teaching. Then so when we go to the section on the greatness of the teaching, um, and we uh, speaking of greatness, we're speaking of the excellent qualities. Um, so here, the greatness of the teaching. Uh, is in order for one to uh, respect the instructions. So there's four different sections um, in the greatness of the teaching uh, uh, chapter. And the first is the, great, uh, the greatness of enabling one to know that all the teachings are free of contradiction. The second is the greatness of enabling one to understand uh, that all the scriptures are instructions for practice. The third, the greatness of enabling one to easily find or understand the, the conqueror's intent. Um, and then the fourth, the greatness of enabling one to refrain uh, automatically from great wrongdoing. Um, so the excellent qualities that the teaching possesses is that it allows uh, one to have these four um, uh, excellent qualities as a result of following the instructions. What <laughs> Less so. Less so. 
the first section deals with the greatness of uh, enabling one to know that all of the teachings are free of contradiction. And here, uh, the word mutually exclusive uh, can also be used. So, to show that these teachings are not mutually exclusive, that these teachings are specifically just the method to bring a sentient being to the state of enlightenment, um, and that there is no contradiction or uh, um, uh, problem uh, with the content of all of the conqueror's teachings. Um, uh, so, when we say the refuge prayer, uh, I take refuge until I am enlightened in the Buddhas, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Through the merit I create by practicing giving and the other perfections, may I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. Um, this all sentient beings means that there are many different sentient beings that have different aptitudes. So, when we look at the instructions that Buddha gave, uh, some instructions stated that there were, was a truly, exist, a truly established self. Other instructions Buddha gave where, where he stated there was not a truly established self. Um, uh, then some cases Buddha stated that things were truly established, phenomena, and then sometimes Buddha stated that phenomena was not truly established. Then there were times that the Buddha taught the sutra teachings, sutra teachings and then other times when Buddha taught the Tantra teachings. So all of these teachings and that uh, had differences were for the purpose of bringing one being, one sentient being, to the state of the Buddha grounds. Uh, so each sentient being has different needs or different aptitudes. So these different teachings were given in order to lead those particular practitioners, those individual practitioners, uh, uh, to the state uh, of Buddhahood through the stages that he or she needed to go through in order to achieve uh, that ultimate goal. Uh, so the point, uh, um, oh, <coughs> excuse me, the point of um, all of the different teachings is to bring a sentient being to the state of enlightenment. Uh, so therefore, because uh, the intent behind all of the statements or pronouncements is the same, they are not contradictory. They are not mutually exclusive. They are either branches or direct paths to that state, that state, <coughs> that, that state or those grounds, those Buddha grounds. What does Sanji do? The children of the children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的children的
Kodi Chiri Ores, ou de Kazon de Lezon, en est un bâton de Tuzi Lanti, Tijiba, Nai Lama, ou de Doua, Tujit so here we're at the place in the text where it states on page 49 in the English, 15 in the Tibetan, where it states that the precious the precious teacher, and this refers to Dron Dompa said, My guru Atisha is the one who knows how to bring all the teachings within a four-sided path. Uh, these words are very meaningful. And the meaning of this is that the Buddha gave many different types of teachings. The Buddha gave literal teachings. Uh, the Buddha gave uh, figurative teachings. Um, so uh, the point that uh, Drone Tompa is making is that the um, Lord Atisha was able to show how all of these teachings were complementary um, how no matter how one viewed uh, the teachings that uh, 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 were given by the Buddha, uh, one would be able to see that there, they were a facet that was a stage to complete Buddhahood. So uh, it's compared to a, a four-sided <coughs> dice, uh, where no matter how uh, one four-sided dice, no matter how one were to look at it, whatever side it were to fall on, one would be able to see how uh, that would uh, be a method to bring a sentient being to a state of enlightenment in some way. Um, so Drone Tompa's statement here was just referring to that. Um, uh, and just, just... Yeah, they're complete no matter what angle uh, one is viewing it from. So no matter uh, what what part, no matter if someone is looking at the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity, the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity, there are the perfection vehicle teachings or the tantric vehicle teachings, uh, no matter what one is viewing, uh, uh, one will find that uh, um, these are all stages to bring a being, a sentient being to the state of Buddhahood. So this is what is meant by 
the four-sided path. So then, Lama Tsongkhapa states, because these instructions in the lamp for the path to enlightenment guide students by gathering all the key points of sutra and mantra vehicles into the path for one person to become a Buddha, they have greatness of producing the certainty that all of the teachings are free of contradiction. So this is the kind of final statement that Lama Tsongkhapa makes about the teachings not being mutually exclusive and that all of the teachings are free of contradiction. So that's the section on the greatness of showing that all of the teachings are free of contradiction. So, so when we look at this statement that all of the teachings are free of contradiction, Lama Tsongkhapa uh, shows the correct signs that prove, or the reasoning that proves this to be the case. So, if we were to say, uh, what is the correct sign that shows there is an excellent quality um, um, relative uh, to the the um, uh, the excellent quality uh, relative to uh, um, the way that Lord Atisha is able to show that um, uh, the teachings are free of contradiction. Um, the correct sign would be that Lord Atisha is able to show that those teachings are for the purpose, whether they are the sutra teachings or the tantra teachings, of leading one sentient being to the state of Buddhahood. So therefore, they are great. Therefore, they have excellent qualities. So if we were to look at it from a signs and reasoning point of view, we would say that the correct sign that shows that uh, the teachings are free of contradiction is that they, lead, they are for the purpose of leading one being to the state of Buddhahood, whether they are the sutra teachings or the tantra teachings. <laughs> Mm. So here it says that it says that they guide students by gathering all of the key points of sutra and mantra in the path for one person to become a Buddha. So this is what this is the sign that shows their uh, the teachings are free of contradiction. Uh, so uh, this is. Uh, under the category of the greatness of that all of the of showing that all the teachings are free of contradiction and this is the sign that shows that they are mm-hmm. 
So this, because Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment is able to do this, is able to show uh, that uh, the, the, uh, all of these teachings, whether they are sutra or tantra, uh, are free of contradiction. Uh, it has an excellent quality or it uh, has a greatness about it. Uh, the, uh, the excellent quality um, and greatness are being used uh, interchangeably. Rinpoche is using them just to translators know greatness and excellent quality. Uh, so the, um, uh, the lamp has this excellent quality of being able to show how the, the sutra and tantra teachings do, are not contradictory. So if we were to look at this from in a, the way of debate, uh, or uh, uh, we would then, in the same way that we were to say the subject, uh, uh, the, the subject is a color because it is suitable to be shown as hue. Uh, so that suitable to be shown as hue is the sign that something is a color. In the same way, we can say that the um, uh, teaching uh, possesses this greatness um, of being able to show uh, that the, um, all of the teachings, uh, whether they are sutra or tantra or Buddhist-specific uh, pronouncements or the commentaries on his uh, pronouncements, that they uh, are not contradictory. Um, because, and the sign that they're not contradictory is that they are for the purpose of leading a sentient being, or a person, more literally, uh, to the state of complete Buddhahood. Um, so that's the sign, if we were to uh, look at debate, that one would use to prove that statement that they, Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment uh, contain, has this greatness about it, or has this excellent quality. Um, and, and that is because it shows that all of these teachings are free of contradiction because they lead one sentient being to a state of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. 
So the next section, after the section that shows the greatness uh, of showing that all of the teachings are free of contradiction, then goes to the greatness of enabling one to understand that all the scriptures are instructions for practice. Uh, so uh, no matter what, when we speak of scriptures here, <clears throat> this is uh, referring to the, the truth of the conqueror or the teaching of the conqueror. Uh, and, and that then also refers to the commentaries on the Buddhist speech uh, as well as the Buddhist speech uh, itself. Um, so uh, um, in the uh, uh, four measurables, uh, we uh, find a reference to happiness and, and uh, over and over again we find references to different types, levels of happiness or le different levels of bliss that one can achieve. Uh, for instance, uh, if we look at the prayer in the Four Immeasurables that states, uh, May all sentient beings have happiness in the causes of happiness. May all sentient beings be free from suffering in the causes of suffering. May all sentient beings never be separated from the happiness that knows no suffering. May all sentient beings live in equanimity free from attachment and aversion. When we look at that prayer called the Four Immeasurables, we'll find a lot of uh, much reference to happiness and freedom from suffering. So. Uh, this uh, um, um, uh, is something that we all have in common, this desire to be happy. Um, so uh, the point of this section is that it shows that all of the teachings, uh, whether they're sutra or the tantra teachings uh, uh, that the Buddha specifically gave or the commentaries on those teachings, uh, by the great masters, all of the teachings that were given were to uh, provide a being with happiness, the result of happiness. Um, so no matter what uh, um, type of teaching that was given or commentated on, uh, they were all for the purpose of leading sentient being to some form of happiness. And there are different types of happiness. There are many different blisses or happinesses. We have uh, uh, focal or form um, objects, that forms that we can see, uh, that we can derive uh, happiness um, uh, from uh, seeing some, some sort of form uh, or a feeling, a tactile sensation that causes us happiness or a smell or a taste that causes us happiness. Um, so we can view the, those uh, various forms and there are many uh, and many more than that of, of happiness that one can have. Um, and then we can also look at the different happinesses relative to future lives or potential rebirth. 
Uh, um, and if we look at it just from the side of happiness, we can see that there are three potential, uh, or three possibilities. One can achieve the state of rebirth in the higher realms, which is a form of happiness. One can achieve the state of liberation, which is a form of happiness. Uh, one can achieve the ultimate happiness, which is complete Buddhahood. Uh, or unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. So these are different forms of happiness. So this section shows that the purpose of all of these teachings is to lead beings uh, uh, to that state of happiness. So they are all instructions to practice in order to achieve that that uh, result. Um, so. Um, and, and then if we look more specifically at the lamp for the path to enlightenment, uh, the lamp for the path to enlightenment uh, um, is what one, and the contents of it are what one being would rely upon or depend upon in order to achieve various types of happiness or the various potential types of happiness. Um, so this greatness of enabling one to understand that all the scriptures are instructions for practice uh, is referring that to that all of these uh, teachings that are given are for the purpose of leading uh, beings and instructions to lead beings to happiness in its various forms. ケジタンボテチシバレソレソレソテニバペンチデマシチンチデルモディシシバロワケジニパニパニパペンチデモディシシバレソワテネチシシナシガラムジェインチェンマルベジェインチェンデルドヨロテネパドイドワワテドワチ
the, the cyclic existence. So when we speak of first moment, that's the moment, uh, and Rinpoche said, the, in the uh, um, 12 links of dependent origination, when the, there's the moment of conception, the moment of birth, which refers to that very first moment uh, where uh, there is consciousness. So that's the first uh, um, a cyclic ex samsara. Uh, the second samsara is the everything after that. The third is the time of death. And then the fourth is the intermediate state. Um, so it's stated that the truth, that independence upon the truth, one can have happiness during those four times. Uh, so um, uh, truth here refers to the Buddhist pronouncements and then the commentaries on the Buddhist pronouncements. So um, there's just a, that's another a quote that's uh, in the Lung Kavane. Oh, in a tantric, in a tantric text, a prayer. Uh, uh, so the Buddha's truth is dependence upon it. One is uh, uh, bliss or happiness during these four states of samsara or four samsaric states. Mm. Mm. What Okay. <coughs> so, this section that um, deals with the greatness of enabling one to understand that the, uh, all the scriptures are instructions for practice um, is a little bit different than the first one. The first one is showing that the purpose, uh, that all of the teachings are free of contradiction because each and every one of those teachings were for the purpose of leading a sentient being to uh, the state of enlightenment. The next is showing uh, that all of these uh, different types of happiness, small happiness, medium happiness, great happiness, um, is caused by um, these instructions. So this is inspires one or gives one uh, the reason for engaging in these, these things, uh, <coughs> practicing them. So it gives, gives one kind of the basis of or the reason why one should practice the instructions because they are what lead one to happiness. And then the first section dealt with showing that they were free of contradiction because they are all for the purpose of leading a sentient being to the state of Buddhahood. This shows the reason for practicing the teachings because uh, uh, reason for practicing the instructions that are given. And instructions here again refer to uh, Buddhist pronouncements as well as the commentaries on Buddhist pronouncements. So now we're at page 50 in the English and 16 in the Tibetan, the top of the Sonrop Tamche. Sono Tanji Dangat Chawa Chawa Nesu Wateri Dua Sono Mali Dangat Chai Chawa Sono Mali Dangat Chawa Nesu Shit Taban Deba Shit Taban Deba 
The section then, the greatness of enabling one to understand that all the, the scriptures are instructions for practice. In general, only the scriptures of the conqueror provide the means to achieve all temporary uh, and ultimate benefit and happiness for those who desire uh, liberation. Uh, for only the, be 
the Buddha is free from all error in teaching what is to be adopted and what is to be cast aside. And then there's a quote from uh, Lord Maitreya's uh, Uttara Tantra, the, the sublime continuum. And where it speaks of temporary happiness, that's referring to all the happiness that one can achieve within cyclic existence. So the different types of happiness uh, one uh, um, achieves in relative to seeing forms uh, or hearing sounds or uh, smelling things or having particular tastes or tactile sensations. Um, uh, so uh, any type of happiness that one uh, derives from those various types of things. And, uh, another example would be eating food that was very delicious. Uh, all of these uh, um, types of happiness are what are being referred to as temporary uh, um, benefit. Um, the ultimate benefit is referring to uh, either the uh, complete enlightenment or liberation or nirvana. Um, so ultimate uh, benefit uh, is referring to um, uh, that cessation, the happiness which is the, uh, referring to uh, cessation. Now if we were to look at the ultimate, you know, top form of happiness, we would state that it's that of the Buddha, um, because it is only the Buddha that is completely free um, of all um, errors and has cast aside all negativities. Um, the foe destroyer has not done so uh, um, relative in, to the lesser vehicle foe destroyer. The bodhisattva has not done so. Those beings on the path of preparation, those beings on the path of uh, um, 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 accumulation, uh, none of those beings have uh, been able to um, destroy or cast aside um, all negativities and adopt all the excellent qualities. It's only the Buddha. Um, who has uh, done so. Um, so, in the uh, sublime continuum, it states that because there is no one in this world more wise than the conqueror, no other one who knows precisely with omniscience all phenomena of the world and the supreme reality, uh, do not disturb any of the collections of sutras set forth by the sage himself. By destroying the system of the sage, you will harm the sacred teachings. So here, uh, it states that because there is no one in the world more wise than the conqueror, there is no being who has abandoned all faults and taken on all excellent qualities. Uh, uh, um, the, uh, there is no being uh, who possesses omniscience or the all-knowing state of mind and uh, who precisely knows, uh, it says uh, here, all phenomena of the world and supreme reality. And this is referring to conventional ex uh, truth and ultimate truth. So the Buddha, because of uh, being an all-knower, because of possessing omniscience, is able to understand both conventional and ultimate truth uh, um, simultaneously uh, and without error. And it says, do not disturb any of the collections uh, of sutras set forth by the sage himself. Uh, by destroying the system of the sage will harm the secret teachings. Because the sage, because the conqueror, is an omniscient being, um, one should not uh, um, uh, take away any uh, um, part of the teachings and say this is incorrect or this sutra teaching is incorrect or this tantric teaching is incorrect or find some sort of contradiction because if one were to do so then one would collect the negative <coughs> karma of abandoning the dharma um, so the, this is an extremely uh, large uh, karma so this uh, when one casts aside 
um, any of, of the, or not cast aside, when one uh, um, tries to disturb or change any of uh, the pronouncements of the Buddha, uh, he or she collects that karma um, of abandoning the Dharma. So when we speak of the only uh, being uh, who is, has this qualification, the reason that we state this is because the Buddha is the only being who has um, eradicated the uh, imprints of the afflictions, which are called the um, obstructions to omniscience. The Hinayana foe destroyer has eradicated the afflictive obstructions and achieved the state of liberation, but has not eradicated the obstructions to omniscience. It's only the Buddha who has eradicated both the afflictive obstructions and the obstructions to omniscience, and therefore is the only qualified being uh, um, to, uh, or not the only qualified, is the only being we can state is free of error, uh, or whose pronouncements uh, are error-free because of possessing omniscience. Therefore, the words of the conqueror, the precious collections of Sutra and Tantra, the supreme instructions. Uh, so when we're speaking of what, where are these instructions, or where uh, can we find uh, um, um, these instructions to be practiced, we find them in the Sutra and Tantra teachings, in the pronouncements and the commentaries on the pronouncements. So um, all of the instructions of, uh, are found or contained within the teaching itself. So if we were to uh, try to take uh, the, the collections of just the sutra um, and the tantra without having any kind of commentary, without having any of uh, the um, commentaries by uh, um, uh, Tome, uh, Lord Asanga and uh, the Master Nagarjuna, without uh, having Lord Atisha's explanations, without having these, it would be impossible for us to um, understand what uh, these uh, teachings were referring to or what the intent truly was of these teachings. Um, so uh, it's uh, necessary for us to um, look at all of these different uh, instructions in order to understand what the conqueror or what Lord Buddha was uh, 
teaching or instructing us to do. Therefore, the words of the conqueror, the precious collections of sutra and tantra, are the supreme instructions. Nonetheless, since students in this later time will not discover the intent of these words by delving into them on their own without depending on valid commentaries and on the personal instructions of excellent beings, the great trailblazers compose treatises and personal instructions that comment on their intended meaning. Um, so, uh, when the Buddha was about to pass into nirvana, uh, he was asked, uh, um, you know, how will we be able to understand the points that you've made, uh, how will we be able to understand uh, the sutra teachings and the tantra teachings. Um, and the Buddha then made a prophecy that uh, two specific beings would come to elucidate uh, the meaning uh, um, of uh, his, his words. Um, the Buddha stated that 400 years after his passing into nirvana, that uh, a being named Nagarjuna would enter our world system and elucidate the meaning of emptiness, um, and specifically the Madhyamika Prasangika view of emptiness, or the uh, middle way uh, consequence school uh, of emptiness. And then if 900 years after uh, his passing, a master named uh, um, Asanga would arrive and elucidate the stages of the path uh, for the, the, the Hinayana, and the Mahayana uh, teachings, and also uh, uh, bring back the mind-only school view, or the mind-only instruction. So, uh, and, and when we look at the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, we'll find that mantra that is uh, inside there. Uh, and that mantra implicitly refers to the five paths, uh, um, the path of accumulation, the path of preparation, the path of seeing, the path of meditation, and the path of no more learning. So Arya Sangha, or Master Sangha, was responsible for uh, uh, truly elucidating and clarifying the stages of the path relative uh, um, to 
the Hinayana and Mahayana, and then the five paths of each of those vehicles, um, and also the ten grounds and so forth. So uh, the Lord Buddha prophesied also that various Nalanda scholars and, and great pandits would also come to comment on uh, his speech and clarify it. So those two specific beings uh, uh, were prophesied, uh, Nagarjuna uh, and then the second being Asanga, and then also, the Buddha stated, various scholars, uh, and specifically about Nalanda, would uh, arrive and teach the correct view. What does it mean? Uh, uh, ตากะตงอาตามันโลจุกะตุลชิมาสโลจุกะตุลเลอันเนจวาจามะเนซังกะเจเตนะมาสิลิงบาบาตุจุเนอติชัลซุนเนอันเนจาจีลาจิเรม
Therefore, for something to be a pure personal instruction, it must bestow certain knowledge of the classic texts. No matter how well you learn it, a personal instruction is only something to be cast aside if it cannot bestow certain knowledge of the meaning of the Buddha's words and the commentaries on their intent, or if it teaches a path incompatible with these. Um, so uh, we should never discard um, any of the instructions unless they are mutually exclusive with what the Buddha taught. If for some reason, uh, like in the, uh, there are many different examples, but the example of uh, Master Hashan uh, is given where there was an incorrect view of emptiness or in, in uh, view of emptiness being taught that was incompatible with or mutually exclusive with the view that was taught by Lord Buddha. So therefore, it was something to be cast aside. But only those, those things can be cast aside because they would categorically not fall under that which was pronounced by the Buddha or commentated on uh, because it would be mutually exclusive with the Buddha's intent or the Buddha's uh, um, uh, meaning. Uh, so it has to be concordant with the meaning. It can't uh, uh, be mutually exclusive with the intent of the conqueror uh, if in order to be considered an instruction. Uh, so before uh, Master Nagarjuna and Lord Asanga arrived uh, with the, the middle way view and the mind only view, uh, uh, to reinvigorate the middle way view and the mind only view, uh, there were uh, these scriptures of the 100,000 verse perfection of wisdom sutra and the 20,000 verse perfection of wisdom sutra and the 8,000 verse um, and the, uh, then the sutra of the heart of transcendent knowledge. And the uh, practitioners of these other um, uh, schools believed that these were not authentic teachings of the Buddha, uh, that these were not uh, actually uh, accurate. Mm. So if uh, there is something that is taught uh, or instructed that is not um, in, in accordance with what the Buddha has taught, um, if the in, intent of the Buddha uh, is mistakenly commented on, or uh, uh, explained, then this should be cast aside. This is the only thing that one should uh, not follow or consider an, consider an instruction. So, uh, 
this is the qualifying um, factor for it to be an instruction is that it must not be contradictory or incompatible with what the Buddha has stated. So, there are those who conclude that any classic text should be considered only an explanatory teaching, therefore lacking the key points for practice. So this is a mistaken idea that uh, those would conclude that uh, all of the studies, there are two separate categories, those things that one's studying for an intellectual understanding and then those teachings which one actually practiced, which are separate. Um, and so this is a wrong way of looking at it. One should see that all of the, the classic texts are instructions and are, are explanations of how to practice. Um, so it says, there are those who conclude that any classic text should be considered only an explanation planetary teaching, therefore lacking the key points for practice. They hold that there are separate personal instructions that teach the core meanings that are the heart of practice, so that uh, there are some separate uh, teachings that are actually what one practices that are different from uh, the actual classic texts. Um, then they imagine that there are two separate forms of the excellent teaching, a teaching that is to be explained to you and a teaching that you practice. Know that this attitude precludes the development of great respect for stainless sutra and tantras as well as the flawless treatise, treatises that comment on their intent. So uh, know that also you accumulate the karma obstruction of abandoning the teaching when you see those classic texts as objects of contempt and say that those are merely for promoting one's superficial knowledge and eliminating others' misconceptions. They do not 
teach the deep meaning. Uh, so believing that the uh, intellectual um, understanding is unnecessary and only for the point of negating others' views and not for the point of practicing. Um, so here this becomes the karma obstruction of, or the, the great karma, negative karma of abandoning the Dharma if one believes that the, the uh, um, uh, scriptures are not uh, the instructions, that there are some separate instructions that are given that differ from the content of those scriptures. So, because one, one has to see that the sutra <coughs> and the, the tantric teachings are stainless, they're flawless, uh, uh, then this means that they must contain, if they are stainless and flawless, all of the instructions that are necessary in order to lead uh, one to uh, his or her goal. Um, so uh, one shouldn't feel that there are, or believe, it is a misconception to believe that there is a separate set of teachings uh, um, uh, that would somehow um, um, be what one practices and that the uh, other teachings are just for intellectual understandings. <laughs> So Lama Tsongkhapa states that if one studies and then, then he or she truly understands uh, what is to be practiced and not be practiced and then a misconception uh, can't arise within the practice if one is learned and knows what the proper paths are, proper, proper uh, instructions are. There, there can't be a misconception if one knows the instructions. So this is the need for study. So then it goes on to say that, uh, therefore, for those who desire liberation, the supreme and authentic instructions are indeed the classic text. So there are not separate instructions or something different uh, that will lead one to uh, uh, the goal, his or her goals. The classic texts are where the, the true instructions are. 
However, due to your limited intelligence and so forth, you may be unable to recognize those texts as the supreme instructions through depending upon them alone. Thus, you must, must seek out personal instructions, thinking, I will seek certain knowledge of those texts based on the personal instructions of an excellent being. So, one should be, if uh, he or she is unable to uh, understand how uh, to practice the instructions in the classic text, then it's necessary to find an excellent being here. Uh, 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 in this case, uh, Atisha is explaining, or a teacher who can uh, explain in concordance with the instructions in those texts. So it says, but do not think the texts are without substance. They are, since they are merely promote uh, a superficial knowledge and eliminate others' misconceptions. Because the the, the instructions in the texts themselves are the instructions that the teacher uh, should be giving. Uh, so, uh, yet the personal instructions, since they reveal the deep meaning, are supreme. Uh, so, this idea that there are two separate things, the classic texts and then uh, personal instructions, uh, um, is, is a negativity and that the classic texts contain all of the personal instructions, but if one cannot see that, then it's necessary to find someone who has in order to be instructed in them. But it has to be concordant with those classic texts and not something that's different than them, because then it becomes not... It, then it is not an instruction. <laughs> Sono Bio <laughs> So here, then, there, there's a quote from the great yogi Shanchu Rinchen, where he states that concerning instruction, complete mastery does not mean gaining ascertainment of a mere small volume that fits in the palm of one hand, one's hand. It means understanding all of the scriptures as instructions for practice. So um, all of the scriptures, all of the vast amounts of scriptures become necessary and become the instructions that one 
has to follow in order to gain uh, uh, insight or in order to achieve uh, uh, liberation uh, and so forth. So it's ne it's necessary to recognize that uh, there there isn't just this one small volume that can fit in one's hand that uh, um, contains just the core instructions to lead one uh, to that uh, place that's different from the, the vast scriptures. Uh, the vast scriptures are the key instructions that lead one to uh, that state uh, um, uh, of enlightenment. So, uh, uh, to, to that state of, ha of enlightenment or to the various forms of happiness. So, it's to, to recognize that there are the, the, happy, the small amounts of happiness, medium amounts of happiness, and great amounts of happiness and recognize that each and every instruction in each and every one of those vast texts is for the point of gaining or achieving happiness in those various levels or uh, various, uh, yeah, the various degrees of, of happiness that one can achieve. So uh, one, one must recognize that uh, mastery uh, refers to mastery of scriptures incomplete. So recognizing that the Buddha's uh, um, uh, scriptures or all of the um, um, pronouncements were for the point of achieving uh, a state of happiness or instructions that would allow one to achieve a state of happiness. So uh, they are to be practiced because they are instructions that allow one to achieve uh, that desired goal. Okay, then uh, I, I just have to read one more stanza. As the great elder student Gomba Rinchen Lama said that he understands all of the texts as instructions for practice by grinding to dust all wrong actions of body, speech, and mind during one session of meditation on Atisha's instructions. You, you too must come to such an understanding. So recognizing that the instructions are the great texts, or the contents of the great texts. Then, then, the, then, the, then uh, Rinpoche read, the precious Drone Tompa said that it is a mistake if after studying many teachings you feel a need to look elsewhere for how to practice the teaching. Thus, there are those who have studied many <coughs> teachings for a long time, but do not know at all how to practice the teaching. When they wish to practice, they must look elsewhere. Their error is in not understanding that I have already explained. <laughs> No, 
So here, thus, there are those who have studied many teachings for a long time, but do not know at all how to practice the teachings. So those who have studied the sutra teachings and the tantric teachings, um, but have no idea how to apply them or how to practice them. Uh, when they wish to practice, they must look elsewhere. Um, so the, there's an idea in these practitioners that now they've uh, understood intellectually these things and now have to find somehow uh, an instruction on uh, 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 that somewhere else um, besides these texts on how to practice them. Uh, and it says there's an error in understanding what I have already explained. And what has been explained is that the texts themselves and the contents of the texts are the instructions, uh, are the understandings, um, uh, are, are, are what is to be practiced. Um, so uh, that's what is meant in this stanza here. Okay. The, there are two, uh, there's a quote here coming up from Basubandhu's uh, Abhidharma Kosha. Um, and it's referring to the two types of teachings that are given the uh, scriptural uh, doctrine and the realizational doctrine. Or the, uh, so we'll use those words. The scriptural and realizational or scriptural and experiential. Um, so the, the chief uh, of scriptural doctrine would be the Buddhist speech. Um, so we would say that um, uh, that would be the chief of scriptural doctrine. But scriptural doctrine or scriptural truth also contains commentaries on the Buddhist speech. Um, so that would also be considered... Uh, scriptural doctrine. <coughs> now, if we look at uh, the turnings of the wheel, or the turning of the Dharma, uh, the first turning of the Dharma, the second turning of the wheel of Dharma, the third turning of the wheel of Dharma, this is necessarily referring to Buddhist speech. So the turning of the, the Dharma refers to specifically that of the Buddha. But if one is speaking of the teaching or truth, 
then truth could also refer to the, the commentaries uh, of the great <coughs> pendants um, as well as the speech <coughs> of the conqueror. Um, so um, when we speak of the, the turnings of the wheel, this is necessarily Buddhist speech, but if we speak of the, the, the Dharma itself or the truth or the doctrine or the teachings, uh, this could, uh, these could also refer to the commentaries. Um, so, um, but the chief would be a Buddhist speech. Um, so then we've got we get to this quote. Uh, so the uh, the the uh, Buddhist the scriptural uh, um, truth um, uh, <coughs> is considered scriptural truth and is uh, free of error um, because it is for the purpose of bringing one person to the state of Buddhahood or bringing a being or person to the state of Buddhahood. So therefore. Uh, it is n not going back to the uh, previous sections contradictory because it's for that purpose of, of a, uh, bringing a, a being to a state of Buddhahood. Um, so that uh, is what we would, would consider truth uh, or uh, scripture, scriptural doctrine, that which brings a person to the state of Buddhahood uh, spoken by the Buddha or commentated on by the pandits. So the suture of the heart of transcendent knowledge would be considered the turning of the 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 wheel of Dharma uh, would be Buddha's speech, but because Buddha's speech is necessarily sound. We have to say it's a facsimile of Buddhist speech because it's not actually Buddhist speech. It's a, Rinpoche said, like a picture or a, a copy of Buddhist speech, a copy of Buddhist speech. So uh, we say that the, um, um, it, it's not actually Buddhist speech because speech is sound, but it's a facsimile or a copy of Buddhist speech. Uh, so, when we look at the 100,000 verse, or 20,000 verse, or 8,000 verse, or the Heart Sutra, we see that these are actually copies of, or facsimiles of, the speech of uh, um, uh, the Buddha. Uh, 
So if we look at the uh, realizational uh, turning of the doctrine, then we would uh, be referring to the various paths. Uh, that which is the path is necessarily realizational turning of doctrine, and that would be the uh, path of the Hinayana and paths of the Mahayana. <coughs> So if it is a path that is necessarily a reason, realizational uh, turning of the Dharma. So if we, if we look at the realizational uh, teaching, then we would say that those would refer to the three highest higher training. Three highest higher trainings. So if we look at the uh, um, uh, scriptural truth, and we look at virtue, it could be the scriptural truth of listening to the, or of teaching uh, the, the, the Dharma. Uh, so listening to or teaching the Dharma would fall under the category of the virtue of scriptural doctrine. So both listening to and teaching. <laughs> So, if <coughs> ascertaining the uh, realizational uh, truth, then we would be referring to the practice of the three highest higher trainings, the practice of the highest higher training in ethics, the practice of the highest higher training in concentration, and the practice of the highest higher training in wisdom and both concentration and wisdom having as their objects of observation the wisdom realizing emptiness. These highest higher trainings would fall into the realizational doctrine. So and then here we have a quote from the Abhidharma Kosha. And in the Abhidharma Kosha there's really a very good explanation given of karma and its, and their, and its results. So the, but the only thing is, is that in the um, Abhidharma Kosha, uh, the Vasubandhu's treasury of knowledge, if there's reference to the uh, great Mount Meru and so forth, and science has negated a lot of the assertions that are made in Vasubandhu's treasury house of knowledge. Uh, so we, we, find this two-sided, two sides, we find the, this 
going back, explanation of the karma and its results that's very good, but then also things that science has found error in uh, relative to cosmology and uh, this great Mount Meru. Cosmology and the great Mount Meru. So, in, the scientists have stated that many of the things that are asserted to be present in the universe in the Abhidharma Kosha just are not. Hmm. So, the the Abhidharma Kosha, though, is very beneficial to one in its understanding of karma um, and its results. And the great exposition school that it uh, uh, springs from is not a very difficult tenet tradition to understand, or, or the, not a uh, complex system uh, to start with, the, the great exposition school. <laughs> So when we So when we at the center do prayers or in our own houses do various prayers, this would fall categorically under the scriptural doctrine or scriptural truth when we're doing recitations or prayers. so then here, and I'll just go a little bit further, it says there, here the teachings are as set forth in Vasubandhu's treasury of knowledge, the Abhidharma Kosha. The excellent teaching of the Buddha is twofold. Those teachings having a nature of scripture and those having a nature of realization. As this says, there are no more than two types of teaching, the scriptural and the realized. The scriptural teachings determine the way that you take the teachings in hand, the procedures for practice. Uh, the teachings as they are realized are your practices of these procedures in accordance with how you have already determined them. So the scriptural doctrine is uh, what one utilizes in order to understand how to apply uh, the practices which then... Uh, lead one to the realizational doctrine. So the realizational doctrine becomes a result of the application of the practices of the uh, or instructions, uh, practicing the instructions within the scriptural doctrine. Um, so this is the uh, way in which um, these two uh, uh, types of, of um, um, doctrine are, are practiced. The scriptural doctrine being uh, the scriptural teachings, uh, listening to, reciting, etc., um, and then the realizational doctrine being a result of the application of those instructions. So, 
So the 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 teach the scriptural teachings themselves are the instructions that one is to practice in order to achieve the realizational doctrine. So it says the procedures for practice, the teachings as they are realized, are your practice of these procedures in accordance with how you have already determined them. So here, determine them re- refers to determining them through the scriptural doctrine. Um, so this is what is meant in this section uh, that states that there are no more than two, the scriptural doctrine uh, and the realizational doctrine. So in order, uh, uh, the scriptural doctrine shows one uh, um, how uh, to, for instance, in the um, um, the lesser vehicle, uh, how one achieves the state of re- the renunciation or desire to definitely emerge, um, and then goes through the various paths of the path of accumulation, the path of preparation, and so forth, and, ha- and how the bodhisattva then achieves the very the mind that aspires to enlightenment, and then goes through those his or her five paths. Um, and then eventually how from the path of seeing to the ten grounds. Um, so all of these and, and things uh, refer to the scriptural doctrine. Now the application of these uh, um, instructions be- produces the realizational doctrine. So here it says, thus these two serve as cause and effect. Um, so that from before it's one thing I just realized I left out. So. Uh, then it says, for example, it is like showing a horse the race course before you race. Um, so the scriptural doctrine is uh, the, uh, the instructions uh, showing one what he or she has to do in order to go through the Hinayana paths, the Mahayana paths, the grounds, etc. Uh, in, in order to uh, proceed to uh, whatever his or her intended goal is. So. Uh, it's the same as showing a racehorse the course that the, uh, the horse has to go through uh, before the race actually starts or before the uh, um, um, practic- practical practice of uh, um, uh, the race starts. <laughs> So it's similar to look a car on a road, like charting out the course 
that one uh, has to take is similar to the scriptural doctrine, if we were to use the example of driving a car, and then getting in the car and driving that course that was uh, um, um, uh, thought of or um, um, analyzed is like the realizational doctrine, the application of the, the instructions. Okay. So then it would be ridiculous uh, to show the race, the horse, one race course and then race on another. Similarly, why would you determine one thing by means of study and reflection and then go? Uh, and then when you go to practice, practice something else. In this vein, the last of Kamala Shila's three stages of meditation says, so the, the last of the stages of meditation text says, Further, what you meditate on with the wisdom arisen, wisdom arisen from meditation is just that which you know with the wisdom that has arisen from study and reflection. You do not meditate on something else. This is similar to how you show a horse a race track, <coughs> and then the race is there. So one, uh, if we look at the different wisdom, the wisdom arisen from hearing, and then the <coughs> wisdom arisen from contemplation, and then the wisdom arisen from uh, meditation, we see that uh, they are arisen from one another. There is not some separate uh, um, type of practice uh, that uh, one engages in, or a separate type of wisdom that one engages in at meditation than one is hearing uh, at the beginning stage uh, so of, the, the, of wisdom, the beginning stage of wisdom. So the wisdom risen from hearing, from contemplation and meditation. So one uh, has to have all of these things be exactly the same uh, types of wisdom. They're just uh, being realized in, more subtle, in, in a more subtle way as one's understanding increases. So one does not uh, have a separate type of, of, of object of observation or a separate uh, um, a type of, of practice than the one that he or she has learned about and analyzed when the actual meditation or uh, realization takes place. It's a realization of what one has studied. Uh, so uh, this, this is the same as uh, showing a horse a racetrack, that's the racetrack that you actually race on. There isn't a separate racetrack that you would then take that horse to. It wouldn't, wouldn't make sense to do so. So then the uh, scriptural doctrine, independence upon the scriptural doctrine, uh, one creates the cause for the realizational doctrine to occur. Okay, so 
So, thus, these instructions include, in complete form, all the points of the path from the scriptures uh, and their commentaries, from how to rely, from initially how to rely on a teacher through serenity and insight. So these teachings are complete. Uh, they show from the beginning stages of uh, guru devotion or reliance, uh, reliance upon a spiritual teacher, all the way through the union of calm abiding um, and special insight. They then lead you through concise stages of practice in which you engage in stabilizing meditation, on which requires stabilizing meditation, and you analyze with discerning wisdom that which requires analytical meditation. So then also showing one uh, um, the different types of meditation. There's analytical me two types of meditation, analytical meditation, and that's where one analyzes a subject very thoroughly uh, in order to then analyzes a subject very thoroughly. And here when we say subject, we're referring to scripture or truth. So analyzes scripture or truth very thoroughly. Um, and then uh, single-pointed uh, um, uh, concentration or uh, um, uh, analytical meditation and... Uh, hold on. Let's see what it says here. Stable, I just want to use the same word. Stabilizing meditation uh, is referring to um, having one specific single-pointed uh, um, 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 subject as an object of observation of that meditation. Whereas analytical meditation, there is movement and analysis that takes place. Single-pointed concentration is single-pointedly after one has after the analysis of the object takes place, single-pointedly concentrating on that that one specific subject or analysis of one specific subject that's been analyzed. So the two then work with each other in order to produce insight or realization. So the analysis then works with the single-pointed concentration or the uh, stabilizing meditation in order to produce the realization of, of the intended uh, object to be realized. So one's not able to understand through just an analytical meditation. Uh, um, um, uh, one is not able to um, just through analytical meditation have realizations, nor is one able to just through uh, um, uh, stabilizing meditation or calm abiding produce realizations. It's necessary to have both the uh, analytical meditation and stabilizing meditation and a union of the two in order to produce realization. One or the other alone is not enough.
So it looks like we're out of time. In the future, we will go over uh, more of this in detail. So let's turn to the uh, concluding prayers. Fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well, with whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times. I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In the heavenly realm of Tibet, surrounded by a chain of snow mountains, the source of all happiness and help for beings is tending yachts of generous in person, and his life is pure for hundreds of hours. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensha Wanda, a holder of spiritual and realizational doctrines, spiritual friends, and sensibly in five great philosophical texts, with such a holder of nerves and nerves.